After 86 months of 2020, the year has finally come to a close. And what do you know? You've got a whole new podcast to listen to, courtesy of moi. And courtesy of our guest today, Jonathan Feist, who's here to chat with us about DJI and just how bad things have gotten. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Hello and welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week, due to the extreme generosity of Jonathan Feist and his time during the run-up to CES, we have a great interview talking about DJI and its presence on the United States Entity List. DJI is not only the leader in the consumer drone space, DJI basically is the consumer drone space. So what does this mean for DJI? What does it mean for everybody else? We're breaking it all down. Oh, and plus, I'm a workaholic, so of course I kept up with the news during my week off. So what the hell? Let's go ahead and dive into the news of the week. On Christmas Day, the city of Nashville was rocked by an explosion at an AT&T facility. Early reports indicated that the bomber in question may have bombed the facility due, at least in part, to paranoia over 5G. Seriously. Now, I don't want to downplay this because the bomber did lose his life during the incident, but people... It's 5G. I have 5G. I have all the 5Gs, and I'm not dead. I spent a weekend bathing in 5G signals. Not dead. It's really hard to emphasize how harmless this technology is, but Sasha Segan over at PC Mag has a much better take. In short, everyone needs to just shut up about 5G, like right now. Because it's here, but basically it's 4G with a Red Bull. In the future, when the infrastructure is there, you know, three to five years down the line, we'll see blanket coverage in 5G and we'll actually start to see the benefits of it. Right now, consumers don't see the benefit of 5G, except now their phone costs $100 more. And Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile can't shut up about how great their 5G is. But the thing is, nobody's seen that greatness, so seriously, shut up about it. When there are real, tangible benefits, then you can talk about it. In the meantime, just build your network and stop bragging about it. Honestly, Sasha's take is much better, so check out the article in the show notes and give it a read. It's a great read. And if you thought our top story was the only drone story we'd have this week, well... That's a fair assumption, but it's actually a little bit wrong because the FAA released a bevy of new rules for your drones. And I'm going to let Mr. Feist get into it in a little bit, but in short, drones can fly at night and over people and moving vehicles, but they're also going to be required to have ID broadcasting in all of them, which is... Yeah, it's a little big brother, I don't mind saying, but otherwise, it's a sensible precaution. Remember those drones we saw flying around the Las Vegas airport earlier this year? Something like this would have helped police catch the perpetrators, which is a good thing as long as you're not the perpetrator. Am I saying perpetrator too much? Hmm. Perpetrator. There's also a lot of new rules and regulations regarding commercial flights, many of which pave the way for commercial uses of drones for things like deliveries. This is exciting because drone deliveries could very well be a thing in the not-too-distant future. And of course, that in and of itself isn't necessarily exciting, but it is kind of cool. Imagine, like, ordering a bottle of scotch and getting one from a drone in an hour. That's pretty cool. And, damn it, now I want scotch. 
We did our LG Wing non-review earlier in the month of December, but I wanted to take a moment to highlight the Wing review from Chris Davies over at Slash Gear. Chris will be appearing on this podcast in the not-too-distant future, talking about electric vehicles, but he's also a delightful writer, and how can you not read a review that includes the phrase, Geeky Crucifix? Chris has some unique takes on the LG Wing that run alongside my own, but since I did a non-review of the Wing, I will invite you to check out his full review of the LG Wing by a much more eloquent writer than myself. Chris Davies, we salute you. And the world's first Snapdragon 888. Actually, is it 888 or 888? I I can't decide how I want to say that. That'll be an evolving situation on this show, just so you know. The world's first Snapdragon 888 smartphone has emerged. It's the Xiaomi Mi 11, and it comes with a charger... Sort of. Of course, you won't see this phone in the U.S. or most Western markets because that's how Xiaomi Xiaomi's. This phone does have curved screens, which are hopefully becoming a not-thing in the not-too-distant future. It's powered by a 4600 milliamp hour battery and a 120 hertz display. The camera setup has a 108 megapixel sensor along with a 5 megapixel macro sensor, and that's a disparity that I'm having trouble justifying. The phone does not come with a charger, but Xiaomi will send a speedy charger to customers who request one and hey how about that apple it's consumer friendly and good for the environment you jerks and all this comes in at a price point of about 610 dollars us but again only in china so you can't have one all the same it's a pretty nice phone for this price point which is something we can all be happy about Every year, Flurry.com breaks down the top 10 Christmas Day device activations as a sort of look at what phones are giving each other for the holiday. Not surprisingly, 9 of the top 10 phones are iPhones, with the iPhone 11 topping the list and the iPhone SE making a good showing as well. But we have representatives from the iPhone 8 all the way up to the iPhone 12 Pro Max, and curiously missing is the iPhone 12 Mini. Number 10, that would be the LG K30, and yes, I had to Google that phone. The LG K30 came out in 2018, and it's pretty much a standard issue for a lot of postpaid accounts. It's honestly not a very high-spec phone, so it's hard to imagine the appeal of the phone, except that it is pretty cheap. But again, it's from 2018, so that was a time when cheap phones weren't necessarily going to be... What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, right, usable. So, Merry Christmas? Well, I guess for 9 out of 10 people, it sure was. So let's move into some fun stuff before we round out our first news segment of 2021. Tesla's saw a new update roll out with a number of new features, including the ability to change your car horn to something else, and what could possibly go wrong with that? Choices include things like farts, or a bleeding goat, or la cucaracha if you hate having dignity. Plus, you can load up to five custom sounds via USB, and <laughs> that's amazing. It actually got worse. And by the way, if anybody wants something from benefit of a doubt hit me up on dms i would love to do that you want me to yell something you want a clip of the intro music or whatever no charge just hit me up but i need a promise from you that you'll send me a video of the car horn in action so let's do this it would be amazing 
Next up, Boston Dynamics rang in the new year in Boston Dynamics fashion by featuring four robots, which included two of the human-shaped Atlas robots, one spot robot, and finally the rolling robot called Handle, coming together and dancing the night away to the contours Do You Love Me? From the cinematography to the choreography to the sheer agility on display, this video is all different kinds of awesome and remarkable. But what blows me away is the agility on display, especially from the Atlas robots, who demonstrated abilities like jumping, standing on one foot, doing the twist, and more. It's amazing the power and agility packed into one small package, and who am I kidding? These things are definitely going to take over the planet, but honestly, as long as they have the rhythm and the soul, I'm kind of okay with that. And finally, one of the more memorable lines from Star Wars A New Hope was a throwaway line by Luke Skywalker complaining, but I was going to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Well, after 40-some years, Mark Hamill posted a photo of himself standing in front of a gas station named Tashi holding a DC to AC power converter. Well played, Mr. Hamill. Well played indeed. Now, as to where this Tashi station is located or how Hamill came across it remains a mystery, but it's a fun way to close out the year, and we thank you, Mark Hamill. Our next guest on the podcast is our most frequent guest on the podcast, Jonathan Feist. Jonathan is back again, and he is, as you know, the managing editor of DroneRush.com and my former podcasting partner from the Android Authority podcast. And don't tell Joe, but Jonathan's also tied for my favorite partner from the Android Authority podcast. So, mm. right, When it comes up. to being tied, you, you can tell Joe. It's okay. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So, Jonathan Feist, my old compadre, welcome back to the show. And I, it's funny because I originally asked you to come on here, despite the fact that we're in the week between you know Christmas and New Year's, and like CES run up is coming. You don't have to build a booth this year, though, so oh, I think we're in true. in better shape. So, but anyway, I know I, I I very much appreciate the fact that you are taking time out of your CES setup time to come on and chat with us. Originally, I wanted to talk to you about the DJI inclusion onto the entity list against the United States, but since I talked to you, the FAA came out with new rules for drones in general, so I thought maybe we could start off with what's going on with the FAA, and then we can transition over into DJI. So um, let's just jump right in. Um, there's new rules from the FAA. So can you tell Definitely. us a little bit about how that... <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how that's going to affect our drone flying? Oh, absolutely. What every drone pilot needs to know is the FAA is enacting a remote ID. Uh, what this mm -hmm. means is that every drone in the air will have to be broadcasting its serial number, its location, its speed, and not just the drone's location, but the controller's location as well. So this mm. is going to be, and it's actually going to be broadcast publicly. It's just over the, really? the RF technology, uh, so either okay. Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. So it's not like somebody on the so other side of the world can pinpoint where you are at any given time, but uh, uh, anybody in the given area, for example, law enforcement, can pull up a consumer app and identify latitude, longitude, altitude of both the drone that's in the area and the controller sitting on the ground, presumably in your hands. 
Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So now that's going to be something that's going to be kind of a slow rollout. And I would think that would actually now is the onus for that going to be on manufacturers or is the onus on that going to be on the pilots? Ultimately, it is on the pilots. You, okay. uh, as the pilot, you are in control of everything that happens with that drone. It does, you know, if you're the registered owner of the drone, it doesn't matter really, you know, what happens to it. it it's your fault. Now, I also I also noticed that there were uh, things there. A lot of a lot of reporting was saying that a lot of these rules were meant to clear the way for drone deliveries of products. There were some rules about uh, flying over moving vehicles, flying over people, some flying at night, stuff like that. So what can you tell us about that? Correct. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole slew of uh, for the more of the commercial side of drone licensing and rules. There's there's a lot of stuff, a mm-hmm. lot of changes uh, for folks like you and I sitting at home. If you are Part 107 certified, which any of us can do, you just study up and write the test. Uh, they're making changes to how the recurring testing happens. So, for example, in the last few months, I went in and rewrote or wrote my recurring test to renew my commercial license. Okay. Moving forward, it's going to be an at-home online training for free instead of a $150 test at a government testing facility. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And with that, all of the rest of the benefits, for example, the ability to fly at night... Mm-hmm. I know there's an awful lot of people like, awesome, I'm going to fly. No, sorry, you must be a Part 107 certified, and you must take the recurring training, including all of the night flight rules, before yeah, you can but fly I mean, at night. If they're going to be offering that online and for free, I mean, that's 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 awesome. I mean, that's I, I mean, honestly, Look, one of the big thing that's been holding me up is the you know the having to study up and take the test in like one shot because I suck at tests like I can go through training I can do that but like actually just sitting down and like learning for a test oh yeah I still don't know what <laughs> runway numbers mean uh, but but anyway I'm sorry Fair I enough. think I cut you off there a little bit uh, what no, were you no problem say? I was uh, just trying to rain on your parade a little bit I'm sorry to say the initial test your original acquisition of your part 107 certification is still, still the $150 test at a government testing facility yes oh, it's the recurring wah, the update wah. when you go to renew your license you no okay. longer have well, to write a test to renew that that's all well that's good to know and and so so like a lot of the stuff that i was reading about then and, and i'm glad we had this conversation but like the flying over people and the flying at night thing that's all for commercial use is that right uh there is uh, uh, there's one aspect, or rather, what I should say is flying over top of people. We'll start there because the flying off, off of over top of vehicles is dependent on your qualification for flying over top of people. Uh, flying over Fair top enough. of people, there are four categories. Uh, the okay. first category is going to be drones that weigh less than 0.55 pounds and okay. have no external moving parts. So propeller guards count. If you do not have propeller guards on your drone, then you have a spinning item on the outside that can cut skin. Ah, It needs to be contained. This, this, I'm afraid, is like the worst news for DJI right now. They launched the Mavic Mini and then the Mini 2. Those things are both under 0.55 pounds at 249 grams of flight. Or as long as you don't weight. have the propeller guards. As, exactly. So once you install those <laughs> propeller guards, it bumps it up into Category 2. 
uh, which, uh, sorry, I, I should specify category one is it does not require certification from the FAA. Right. So you can right. just go out with any toy drone that does not have externally exposed propellers and fly over mm-hmm. top of people. Interesting. I mean, there's some caveats to that. You'll get the details when you go look it up. Right. Uh, but the Category 2 requires FAA certification or, or authentication. That being, okay. for example, if DJI goes in globally, submits a drone to the FAA with propeller guards and say, okay, does this satisfy? Then that should trickle down. It's not like each one of us have to go to the FAA with our DJI Mavic yeah. drone and propeller yeah. guards and say, hey, does it get... No, no, it, it'll be... Yeah, so there'll be officially supported fly over top of people drones. Yes. Interesting. Okay. All right. So speaking of DJI, we've been kind of dancing around the uh, <clears throat> the main item of the of the story tonight. <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about this now. Right before Christmas, DJI was put onto the entity list of the United States, and a lot of people will be familiar with the term entity list because of what happened to Huawei going on two years now. Um, where basically what it means is U.S. companies are not allowed to do business with companies that are on this entity list, or I think there might be like some exceptions, like you can't do this, like if you're located in such and such. I think there's caveats there, but the general rule is if you're a U.S. company, it's kind of hands off basically at that point. Now, I, I from what I understand is I, I, I think DJI is not as blanketed a entry on the entity list as Huawei is, or maybe they are, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think I saw somewhere that DJI can still sell in the United States. Is that right? Correct, yes. Now, okay. see, Huawei is on multiple lists. Uh, this, okay. <laughs> uh, the, the entity list we're speaking of is the, let me make sure I get it absolutely right, because government stuff. Uh, <laughs> what this is, is, as you suggested, it's not that companies, American companies, are banned from working with DJI. They are banned okay. from selling their parts and accessories to DJI. So we okay. can still buy DJI drones on the shelves, off the shelf here. We can still get parts. We can still get accessories. You know, third-party manufacturers can still make propeller guards that are landing gear, whatever they need to do, right? All of mm-hmm. that still exists, except... U.S. companies cannot sell. So, uh, you know, there won't be any Qualcomm chips in the next DJI drone. There won't be any American steel in the motors, you know, that sort of thing. Which, to be honest, there ultimately hasn't been. DJI has been very proud of the fact that they build most of their stuff in-house. I I doubt they're SOC manufacturers and they get the camera sensors from Sony, you know, that sort of stuff. Or, you know, they have stake ownership in Hasselblad's. They're getting cameras there as well. But most of their mobile or most of their smaller drones are mobile sensors, the Sony sensors we see everywhere else anyways. So, okay, okay. Enjoying this interview? Did you know that there are over 10 more minutes of time where we talked that ended up on the bonus version? The full interview is available to all of my patrons right now over at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. For as little as $2 per month, you can get in on the ground floor of this podcast and help support the show. Plus, you'll get additional benefits like access to my Discord, early podcasts, bonus live shows, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. That's patreon.com 
slash benefit of the doubt. And if you don't want to be a patron, that's okay too. Full interviews become available at the beginning of each new month. So, for example, trimmed interviews in January will have the full versions on February 1st. I don't want you to miss out. Just head over to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and you can listen to the full interviews even if you don't subscribe because I still want you to love the show. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadowd.com slash support. That's benefitofthedowd.com slash support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofadowd.com slash support. I hope you visit. I hope you take in some full interviews. And as always, I thank you for listening. So in terms of like the effect that this will have on DJI, what are we going to see, at least from the perspective of a consumer trying to buy a new DJI Mavic 2? At this stage in the game, nothing. It means absolutely okay. nothing. Okay, all right. It, it, if you're an American worker who was making parts that previously sold to China, you might, you know, your company might be in trouble. You might be laid off coming up. That's mm, really okay. all that's happening here. Okay, but in terms of like DJI's position in the market, and the reason that this is so significant is because DJI is what. 80% of the drone consumer drone market in the United States, if not more. I mean, there's DJI. It, <laughs> it, it sounds hokey to say there's DJI and then there's everybody else, but really there's DJI and then there's everybody else. So, um, so if, if DJI is still allowed to sell in the United States, which, you know, thank goodness for DJI because I'm sure we're probably a fairly big part of their market as well. Um, so what does this mean for all the other drone manufacturers out there that might be looking to, you know, it might be circling this particular corpse? Um, or maybe it's not a corpse yet, I don't know. But what, what does this mean for other drone manufacturers in this in the space? Is this an opportunity? It may turn out to be an opportunity just because of public perception. And, okay. Uh, Actually, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. About a month, month and a half ago, there was something else that happened for DJI. Is The U.S. government uh, declared that they would no longer be using DJI drones for government services. Okay, uh, for keeping, like infrastructure and stuff like that. Yeah, correct. So the U.S. Okay. government declared a set of, and I think it was Parrot and... Uh, Autel Robotics, and a few other of these drone manufacturers, uh, smaller manufacturers that have U.S. operations, manufacturing operations, uh, mm -hmm. not necessarily American companies. Let's be honest here. Autel Robotics lives just down the street from DJA off in Shenzhen. It's, it's, okay. uh, we're not talking about U.S. companies. But, it, but anyways, uh, so that was, uh, perception-wise at least, a, a kind of a big hit for DJI in this country was the government saying, no, we, we're not going to use them. Now, the DOJ said this years ago, and then uh, there's actually DJI's government edition drones that were built specifically to cater to the U.S. government, which are approved still for all the safe flight and everything, but they were removed mm -hmm. from use anyhow. So, you know, that's the biggest thing is if these other manufacturers can jump on public perception and just bash the name of DJI, they can get some mm -hmm. growth. Otherwise, okay. there is no physical or commerce advantage here. DJI mm. still... Um, I Okay, sorry. In the way high-end commercial drones, professional drones, there's some really good competition for DJI. But in the consumer space, 
I want to see some competition. Where are all these other companies? Let's do something. DJI oh, yeah. owns it, and I, you know, I think that's strong enough that uh, it, I, I don't. I don't see an issue for DJI until further entity lists are are, are produced here. If yeah, DJI if gets on a band list yeah. like Huawei, then things turn around real quick. One last, oh, let me ask you one last question, and I think you're probably the best person to ask about this. Now, Huawei, we discussed this on the Android Authority podcast at length. Huawei is a shady company. Like, they are just, you know, <laughs> they, have been, they have been caught with their hands in the cookie jar many, many times, and the story I always go back to is the, uh, the, uh, 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 hardened glass from Gurney, Illinois, the company that was like trying to work with Huawei, and Huawei just signed a paper that said we won't ship this back, we won't take this out of the country, and we won't give it back to you broken. And when the company got their stuff back, it was mailed from China and it was broken. So like, it, there's just so. Let me ask you this, and 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 maybe you don't want to answer this because you know you you work with DJI but has DJI ever done anything like that that you've ever heard of you're much more plugged into the drone space and the drone industry you're much more familiar with the key players have you seen any evidence I know I have not so have you seen any evidence that DJI has done anything like sketchy or anything like that that might put them on the same level as Huawei in terms of like shady shadyosity as a brand, no. Okay. There, there have been individuals within the company acting in contra, you know, in contrast to company rules that have made mm -hmm. some shady moves. But I mean, okay. that's just people who happen to be employed there. That that happens, right? Now, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I dare say, on the flip side, I don't. I think what people don't realize is DJI is one of the leaders. I mean, there's many companies involved here. Don't get me wrong; it's not just DJI, but DJI is one of the <laughs> leaders in helping establish the safety and you know guidelines and rules for flight in the United States. DJI mm. was behind the scenes, uh, and maybe this is still true. They were on the verge of opening manufacturing within the United States. Uh, mm. You know, their uh, uh, Brendan Schulman, if you've ever followed Drone Rush, uh, you know DJI's uh, VP of Policy. Uh, he's constantly working with the U.S. government, with the FAA, to help create safety rules. And I'm not going to say he helped write the remote ID, you know, laws that just went into place, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, the iteration of the rules that are in place is something that, you know, he was promoting in the first place as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, DJI has, as a company, done a awful lot of great things for the drone market and and beyond you know they have initiatives to help save lives with search and rescue operations with or without dji drones so, you know they're they're doing yeah. a lot of good things but have they done awesome. evil not that i know of okay and, and that's fair that's a that's a very fair answer and you know obviously you can't be you know you're you're, you're familiar, familiar enough with the players that if you say there's nothing shady going on i'm gonna i'm gonna believe you so and um i, I want to thank you because you know we've uh, you know you've you've generously given us your time during what most people is taking as a vacation <laughs> myself included but i'm a workaholic so here i am so i very much appreciate your uh, your time to come on and talk to us about the faa and dji and all points in between. So let's go ahead and roll out the red carpet for you. Where can we find you on the internet if oh. we if we want to know more about drones? All right. Well, if you want to know about drones, obviously dronerush.com. 
head on over, check it out. We do all the, your best lists, uh, keeping tabs on all of the you know rules and policies and procedures. So that's important. Uh, of course, uh, you know the global home for drone rush is Android Authority. So yep. feel free to head over there. And uh, you know, for those of you who don't who do not know, Mr. Adam Dowd used to take care of a bunch of the newsletters for Android Authority. Most yeah. of that is uh, coming out of my keyboard these days, so uh, <laughs> a little familiar with how that works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and, and hey, the uh, the Android Android uh, Daily Authority. What's it called these days? I don't remember what it's called. The Digit Daily, which is now the An- Daily Authority. The whatever. Daily Authority, that's, correct. The Daily Authority. That that's not a that's not an insignificant part of my news rundown every week. So uh, oh, I go. very much appreciate that newsletter, and I appreciate you and your time for coming on. And at this rate, you're going to be on the podcast on this podcast more than I will over the next year. So <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks again for uh, for taking a few minutes of your time. Well, of course, thanks for having me. Always fun. So that's going to do it for this podcast. I'd like to thank Mr. Jonathan Feist for coming on and chatting with us about drones, which is kind of what he does best. I'd also like to thank co-producer Cliff for all of his hard work, and of course, and as always, but for the first time this year, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt. <laughs>